Welcome to a special edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Rick Tarrant, sitting in for our friend Byron Tyler, who asked me if I could jump in for just a couple of days and share some conversations I've been having lately with some old friends and people from previous chapters of my life, because I just jumped into this thing called podcasting. I started something called the Affirming Words Podcast, where we read through the book of Proverbs and then just kind of go where the conversation takes us and hopefully get some wisdom along the way. My guest today is Bob Sauer. He's an audiobook narrator. He has narrated over 300 books in the past 15 or so years, including two complete versions of the Bible. Here's my conversation with Bob. My guest today is a full-time professional storyteller. How would you like to do that for a living? Just just tell stories all day. He's a narrator. He's narrated numerous audiobooks, broadcast, non-broadcast projects for corporations and ministries all across North America. I know you've heard Bob's voice on CBS and PBS and the History Channel and Audible.com and iTunes and, and just all around the world. Bob is married to Cinda. They have four children, live in the, in the burbs of Pittsburgh. Would you please welcome to Affirming Words, a gentleman I've known for, well, long, ago, long ago and far away. <laughs> 1986 is when we met, Rick. 1986. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, you have a better memory than I, as I recall. I just know when I started doing the show that led to the oh, that's two right. of us that's right. uh, meeting. Well, I didn't, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Sauer. <laughs> Hello, Rick. Very Thanks, happy to, to talk to you today. It has been a while. 1986, Bob was producing and hosting a CCM countdown. I was owner and producer of a competing contemporary Christian music countdown. I guess we were competing, although I never felt like a competitor. You know what? I remember those years very, very fondly. I remember our many interactions going back then and in the years since then. And I am very grateful to be your friend. And um, thank you for inviting me to come along on this journey through Proverbs in February 2022. And um, I'm looking forward to reading the Word of God with you. Well, let's jump in. And you're reading from what version? This is the Berean Study Bible, which is a a very new uh, translation, but uh, one that is uh, very faithful to the text of the Scriptures uh, in the original languages. And then I'll I'll jump over to the message from Eugene Peterson, and and I'll try to stay in sync with you. Okay. Proverbs chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. Ill-gotten treasures profit nothing, but righteousness brings deliverance from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he denies the craving of the wicked. Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And switching over to the message, a good and honest life is a blessed memorial. A wicked life leaves a rotten stench. A wise heart takes orders. An empty head will come unglued. Honesty lives confident and carefree, but shifty is sure to be exposed. An evasive eye is a sign of trouble ahead, but an open face-to-face meeting results in peace. The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. 
Hatred starts fights, but love pulls a quilt over the bickering. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool invites destruction. The wealth of the rich man is his fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The labor of the righteous leads to life, but the gain of the wicked brings punishment. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. The one who conceals hatred is... The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The speech of a good person is worth waiting for. The blabber of the wicked is worthless. The talk of a good person is rich fare for many, but chatterboxes die of an empty heart. God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we do can improve on God. An empty head thinks mischief is fun, but a mindful person relishes wisdom. The nightmares of the wicked come true. What the good people desire, they get. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more, but the righteous are secure forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slacker to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life but the years of the wicked will be cut short. The hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectations of the wicked will perish. God is solid backing to a well-lived life, but he calls into question a shabby performance. Good people last. They can't be moved. The wicked are here today, gone tomorrow. A good person's mouth is a clear fountain of wisdom. A foul mouth is a stagnant swamp. The speech of a good person clears the air. The words of the wicked pollute it. I should have let you finish that out, but it looks like we got got to the end. <laughs> oh, so let me hear that in the Berean, just that last segment from sure. the good people last and they can't be moved. The righteous will never be shaken, but the wicked will not inhabit the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. I think that last one is is uh, so appropriate for our group, affirming words and uh, the the importance of um, what comes out of our mouth. Was it uh, out of out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh? Which in your in your realm, how many how many audiobooks do you think you've read? Uh, somewhere a little over three hundred. Because I know sometime in the second half of twenty twenty one, I past the 300 mark 300 audiobooks so uh, here's my question bob mm-hmm. this feels like you're obviously your life calling your vocation after being in christian radio and doing the countdown and then going to direct radio for the billy graham evangelistic association for a season this is where you've settled in this season of your life did you know in your knower that this is what you were called to do and if so how did you transition to find well, that path I've always loved to read. I mean, my grandmother, my mom's mom, was the librarian in the little town in Minnesota where I grew up. She actually told my mom, I think Bob is reading too much. Now, when a librarian <laughs> says you're reading too much, you know you're reading a lot. <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was in ninth grade at the time. 
And I had just gone home with a huge stack of books from the library, and she was concerned that I was just spending all of my time reading. Well, I love to read. And so being able to read, in particular, reading audiobooks is like, this is what God made me to do. Because now I get to not only read all kinds of interesting things, I get paid to do it. And so I provide for my family while doing something I absolutely love. I had um, more than 10 years of private voice lessons studying to be an opera singer. And um, when I was finishing up college and realized what it would take to be successful as an opera singer, living in Europe for probably 20 years on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But then I learned peanut butter is an American invention, so it would be Nutella and jelly sandwiches. Uh, I wasn't willing to do it, so I abandoned that career. But all of those years of training, of learning to phrase, learning to uh, shape the voice, learning to support the voice, all of those things, not God didn't waste a single bit of that because I wow. use those that training every single day. And so, you know, that was, I look back and I see these things that God used to sort of move me slowly through the experiences that I needed to have. You mentioned uh, when we were first starting up, uh, you know, we met in at the GMA, Gospel Music Association Convention in 1986. And um, it was a big deal. It took up a whole hotel and convention center. Um, but there was a perspective that I got a couple of years later. My first wife died of cancer just two and a half months before the GMA in 88. Mm. And... One evening, because uh, it was important to be there for our countdown shows and and just, you know, meeting people and so forth. So I couldn't sleep one night and I got up and I walked around downtown Nashville because the GMA was always held in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I'm walking around praying, weeping. And um, as I'm walking, because, you know, Nashville's a little bit hilly, so... I'm walking back toward the hotel where the convention is being held and walking down the street, coming downhill. And the hotel is straight in front of me. You know, the, the buildings are on either side of the street, but directly in front of me is the tall tower of the hotel. And I was walking along and it was like, this was what God said. This world of gospel music, of Christian music, fits inside this one hotel. That's how big it is. So it was a real perspective shift to realize, you know what, things that I think are a big deal sometimes really aren't that big of a deal. Wow. And sometimes it's just God, you know, using that same convention, a musician, uh, a guy that I'm, I'm still somewhat friends with uh, all these years later, Jeff Moore, he came in to do an interview with me. And when his um, publicist left the room so that we could sit and record without any distractions, he turned to me and he said, well, how are you doing, Bob? He knew that my wife had died. And I literally burst into tears, mm. uncontrollable sobbing mm. for the entire half hour that we had scheduled for that interview. I could not stop crying. What Jeff did is he reached across the table in between us, took hold of my hand, didn't say a word, and just held my hand. 
for half an hour. I kept trying to say something to thank him for being comforting and to, you know, say something encouraging or recover myself, but I could not stop crying. And then the publicist came back and opened the door to walk into the room. And all of a sudden I got back in control of myself. But that was a perfect example, again, of God meeting me in the exact moment with exactly what I needed, giving me the comfort that I needed at that time. Man. And this is a special edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Rick Tarrant, in for Byron Tyler. Thank you, Byron, for uh, letting me keep the seat warm for a few days. My conversation today is with audiobook narrator Bob Sauer. So for you, as far as finding your wisdom and your life calling and your vocation, it was just, it sounds like it was just going through the doors that the Lord opened for you. Yeah, yeah. It literally was, I think God knew, because he has to beat me upside the head with a two by four occasionally, that if he didn't carefully shepherd me along the way, again, I was probably going to go right off the rails. And so I am incredibly grateful. I mean, God has been very, very kind and open doors and closed all the other ones. See, I didn't, I mean, I've made lots and lots of mistakes. I remain, um, you know, a competitor with the Apostle Paul as chief of sinners. But at the same time, uh, God has so often closed everything else off and just left that one door open. In 2006, when I got cast to do my very first audiobook, which was for Thomas Nelson, the New King James Version of the Bible, I had no idea that was the start of my, you know, my journey as an audiobook narrator. I thought it was just going to be another job. But God, you know, pushed me through that door and then other opportunities began to appear. And I mean, I suppose if I had been, you know, overtly rebellious, I could have derailed my life. Sure. In fact, I can look back and I can see all those places along the way where I could have sailed off in various directions, and yet God's protecting hand was holding me. So I can see those, and I can also see all the places where God protected me from those things. So many stories of of God's kind and sovereign providence to keep my footsteps. Well, in addition to reading the word professionally, <laughs> how has the word weaved in in, in through your, your uh, spiritual life through these well, years? Before we started, I was thinking, we were just reading in Proverbs chapter 10, right? So this is from a few chapters later, but you're familiar with as iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another, right? Yes. And when I was in high school, a young man moved to town. He was roughly my same age. We were juniors in high school. And we met uh, just a couple of days after school started. We ended up in one of the classes and we became best friends. Because the interesting thing was he was immediately popular with everyone. I was very shy, very introverted, wasn't outgoing at all. And so didn't really have a lot of friends. Rick was his name, Rick Olson. So Rick and I become best friends and God begins to use us because Rick is a little reticent about sharing his faith. I am walking around the school building, bopping people over the head with my Bible. Not that I was some great evangelist. I don't mean that, but I just wasn't afraid to share my faith. Rick was a little more reticent, but Rick was able to make friends like nothing. I mean, it was just so easy for him. And I couldn't do that. Maybe because he wasn't so, bumping people on the head with a bike. Well, maybe. <laughs> but the point is, God used us to sharpen one another. 
Rick helped me to figure out that maybe if I was a little less aggressive in the way I approached people, that it would be easier to be friends with him. And at the same time, I helped him see that, you know what, you can just open your mouth and talk about Jesus. And, you know, if people are offended, well, they're offended. But at the same time, things work out remarkably well, especially if God's hand is in it, um, an awful lot of the time as well. So, I, you know, I think about those those interactions back then and how God has continued to use, you know, you and I. We were rivals, in a sense, because we had two different programs that did roughly the same thing at roughly the same time. But at the same time, you know, God put us in the same place, and we grew to love one another as friends and to share our faith with one another and to encourage one another. So God has used you in that same way in my life to sharpen me, to deepen my appreciation for the way God is at work. It's not necessarily any specific conversation I can point to and say, well, I remember when Rick told me that, Rick Tarrant, I mean now. (laughs) You know, God consistently puts these people, you know, put me in the life of other people and them in my life to help me grow in my understanding of uh, how to be a good friend, how to be a good Christian, how to be a good husband. Um, I still fail at it woefully an awful lot of the time, but, uh, you know, God is good. God is faithful. It's very difficult sometimes to look back at our life and see, why did I have to go through that? Right? I mean, you've got this time of real darkness in your life. And it may already be that you've had some of this experience, but there's no doubt in my mind that you are going to be able to come alongside someone else who is in a time of real darkness, and you are going to be the light that they need that God is going to use in their life. I have absolute confidence that part of it's because having had some experiences of my own, I can't count the number of times. I was working at CBN quite a number of years ago, and as I walked out of the studio building to into the parking lot to walk over to where my car was parked, there was a gentleman who had been standing there talking to the security guard at the door, and he turned and walked out the door at the same time as me. We're walking through the parking lot, not you know, just idly chatting, nothing important. And I stopped walking because we came to the spot where I needed to turn and go down a different aisle to go to where my car was parked. And as I opened my mouth to say, well, I need to go over there. My car's that way. Before I could speak, he said, I buried my wife last week. Just out of the blue. Somehow God laid it on his heart that I was somebody that he could share that news with. And I said, well, it was a little more than a week ago, but I've been through that exact same experience. And we stood there in the parking lot for several minutes and we talked. He asked a bunch of questions. I did the best I could to answer him. I can't remember. I think we prayed together and then he was ready to go. And I walked over to my car and left. And the interesting thing is I never saw him again. But that was just one of those God moments, right? I had no idea when this guy walked out, you know, leaving his conversation with a security guard at the same time I walked out the door, that this is what he needed. He needed to talk to somebody who had been through that path and could offer some words of encouragement, especially 
knowing that God was holding him in his hand. There is going to come a time when, and it may not be while you're working at CBN, walking out the door of the studio building to the parking lot, but there will be an opportunity or more than one where God's going to use that time of darkness in your life. Even though you look at it, obviously, the way you've described it with some regret over the choices that you made, but God doesn't waste anything. That's right. No. You know, all those years I spent studying to be an opera singer and I still sing in choir at church. But, you know, I did not become a professional musician. And I don't really regret that in the slightest because God (laughs) hasn't wasted a single moment of any of it. Paul said we comfort others with the comfort we've received. And obviously you having walked through that path, had you not and had you not received comfort in that during that season of your life, then you wouldn't have even been in a position. Correct. But you actually had been through it. And there's... You know, it's like uh, Jeff Moore holding your hand. I had a brother yeah. tell me once um, his brother was killed in an, I was a very young man, but his brother was killed in an automobile accident. And I didn't like funerals and they made me uncomfortable and I didn't know what mm-hmm. to say. And so I didn't go to the funeral. And sometime later, I said, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't go to your, your brother's funeral. I, I said, I, I really didn't know what to say. And I'll, I'll always remember what he said to me. He said, you didn't have to say anything. Just being there's enough. And that's always kind of stuck with me, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in a situation like that and you really want to dial it back, just go ahead, just to show up. Yeah, indeed. I think yeah. we, it's so tempting to want to offer a word of scripture, offer a word of advice, offer a word of comfort. And most of the time, and that was exactly what the Jeff Moore story was illustrating is you don't have to say a word, just be there with somebody. Hold on to them. When they're suffering great loss, it could be because they lost a job, because of a death in the family, because of, you know, any number of things, some kind of financial reversal, whatever it is, whatever is causing the grief. It doesn't need you to say anything. In fact, it's better if you don't. I heard Mm. that from multiple people that I've talked to over the years who have also experienced the death of a loved one. The people who are most helpful to them were the ones who said nothing at all and just spent time. (laughs) Now, I was just pausing because I didn't want to, as former broadcasters, we tend to be afraid of dead air. And I was just, I just wanted to let that sit for a minute. Second Corinthians, Paul speaks about um, the thorn in the flesh. And immediately following that, he talks about how What God taught him through that is that when he is weak, that is Paul, then he is strong. And I think that it is extremely tempting to want to do things on our own, to say, that's okay, God, I got this one, which is usually the place where we begin to fall on our faces because we need God as I saw on Instagram the other day, you know, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's just a reminder that um, we, you know, we can't take a breath. We can't take a step without the grace of God in our lives. And we desperately need that. So, you know, cling to him. Look, humility is one of those things. I mean, this is to me, this is the joke. 
I'm very humble and I'm really proud of it, how humble I am, (laughs) right? It all blows up when you seek it. It's like happiness. You can't go directly for happiness. You will go off the road every single time. Right. Happiness is the result of pursuing the things that are truly important and happiness results. The joy that comes from the Lord as results because you're pursuing those things that God wants you to do instead of your own selfish things. And humility is very similar. You can't really pursue humility because as soon as you turn your attention on yourself, I want to be more humble, your humility blows up and disappears. It runs out the door. The only way to be humble is to not think about yourself and think about other people. So, I mean, that's just one of the things that God has taught me over the years. And and I, I think it's so critically important that we realize it's not us. It's God. And the more that we can hold on to that and live that, I think, uh, you know, the more effectively our our lives will go. So I don't claim any wisdom at all. And I'm not saying that to be falsely humble. I mean, whatever good there is, it's all God. It's a gift. Whatever bad there is, that's me. (laughs) I want to thank you for joining us today for Affirming Words of Abundance in our Affirming Words podcast. You're welcome. My pleasure. Would you pray us out? Sure. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the way you work in our lives, often uh, without our even knowing that it's you who's doing it, but we see it afterwards. We see your hand guiding us step by step, some steps small and some big, but you are at work to will and to work to your good pleasure and to our improvement. Continue to work out your grace and your love and your mercy in our lives day by day. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with my friend Bob Sauer, voice actor extraordinaire. I mean, it's hard to believe that his very first audiobook project was the complete New King James Version of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, that's like running a marathon. Thank you, Byron Tyler, for inviting me to step in for you today on Mid-South Viewpoint. And for Byron, I am Rick Tarrant, and I leave you with this. Speak the word, renew your mind, transform your life.